If you don't know who I am, I'm Rob Dauber. I'm uh, the new pastor of Connections and Missions and whatever else Tom doesn't want to do. Uh, it is great. Uh, it's great to be here. My, my wife and I are just incredibly blessed to uh, be part of the team here at Grove City Vineyard. You have been so gracious to us. Continue, please, I beg of you, uh, be gracious to me as I call you the wrong name. Yeah, it, it might just be that you have the wrong name and I have the right name. See, we, no. So be gracious with me, I promise. In a few years, I'll get your name down. And, uh, but we are blessed to be here. And, and we have been blessed by this sermon series, haven't we? We've been in this sermon series, this is week number five of having dinner or dining with elephants. And Pastor Tom's done an incredible job. If you've not heard some of those, I want to encourage you to go to our website, to our download section. You can listen to those. You can also go to iTunes and listen to those, but make sure to catch up on this series. It's a, it's a great one. And uh, I, I, I just, I was thinking about elephants a little bit with putting together this message. Now, has anybody been to the Columbus Zoo before? All right. So how many of you were there before it became the massive thing it is now and before they ruined the elephant house uh, the, or the pachyderm house? Do you remember the old pachyderm house? It was, it was right where the current one is, but you got to walk through it. Anybody remember that? And it was so cool because in the middle was kind of a maze, a cave-like maze, and you could go through it. That was a hyperactive kid. I, that's hard for you to imagine. And, uh, and my, my parents, when we got to the pachyderm house, would just say, go. You can't go out the doors. You can go, and I'd run around. And it's not fun to act kind of like an elephant. So I was one of those acting like a gorilla or a ape loose in the elephant house. <laughs> People uh, stayed away from me when I went in. But do you remember when you opened the doors of the old pachyderm house? You would get that first smell of elephant. And you go, I can't go into this place. It is horrible. It stinks. And you'd have to breathe it in a couple times. And then you go, all right, I can go in now. And even as a young kid who smelled, it took me a little while to get in there. Uh, Well, some of these, these topics we've been dealing with are smelly, they're personal, they, 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 they enter into our lungs. And some people say today's topic is the most stinky topic when it comes to talking about God. And it's this, why do bad things happen to good people? And really, that's a great question, isn't it? Why, why do bad things happen to good people? And really, let, let's be honest when that thing happens over in India or Timbuktu or in Venus, wherever, I don't ask that question. I ask it when it happens to me. Why, why did this bad thing happen to me or the person I love? Now, I want you to understand as we talk about this today, I have skin in this game. 
You know, you don't know me from Adam. You don't know. Yeah, one guy when I was in seminary looked at me, and I was in a lot better shape back then. And I, I mean, I was something to look at with long curly hair and a dangly cross earring. I mean, I, you look at me and say, this guy has it all together. And this guy looks at me and says, you've never had anything bad happen to you in your life. What are you ever going to tell people about Jesus? And I looked at him and said, you don't know me. And you don't know me. You don't know if I have skin in this game, whether I've ever asked the question, why do bad things happen to me? So let me tell you a little bit. And I, I tell you this not so that you feel bad for me. Don't feel bad for me. I'm, I'm saved by Jesus. I've got the Holy Spirit and he's taken me to a different place. But I got skin in this game. I was molested when I was four or five years old by a kid who was uh, a couple years older than me. My house burned down when I was in fourth grade. I lost all my favorite stuff except my kangaroo. It's in my office. You can see it. My parents got divorced when I was in sixth grade. And you go, divorce, that's not a big deal. Well, back then it was a big deal in a small town. And then my dad married my mom's best friend a month after the divorce was final. Yeah, I I could keep on going through uh, some things, but I don't want to depress you. But I've got skin in this game, and I know you have. Do you have skin in this game? Have you ever asked that? Why do bad things happen? I've got skin in this game. My, my first son was born dead. And blessedly, they were able to get him back alive. He spent his first two years in and out of hospitals on oxygen, diagnosed with epilepsy, had all kinds of struggles. My second son, was, Jonathan, was supposed to be our healthy one. And at nine months, he was diagnosed with eosinophilic esophageal gastroenteritis and colitis. Give me a hand for saying that. (laughs) It's a rare rare disorder, uh, disease, where his body attacks certain protein chains. Until he was 10, he couldn't eat any food. He was formula dependent. Now I can eat 14 things. I have skin in this game. Ten years ago, my central nervous system was attacked by a virus. And I ended up in the hospital for 11 days. My heart rate went up to 200 beats a minute when I stood up. And my blood pressure went to 200 over 250. It was a house episode if you've ever seen house. And they got that figured out. But I've been left with chronic head pain 24-7 every day for the last 10 years. I've got skin in this game. I have asked that question. I've said, God, why is this happening to me? Do you love me? Do you hear? How many of you have asked that question? And the answers that people give. I had one person come up to me and say, I just don't know what you did to deserve this, Pastor. Oh, man, if the Bible didn't say don't hit him in the face, I would have. It was proof that the Holy Spirit was in me. I just want to be honest with you. Oh, but how about this one? If you just had more faith. If you just had more faith, this wouldn't happen. What I want you to understand, I have skin in this game. I, I care about this answer, and I know you do too, because I know you've had bad things happen. And I want to let you know that that God wants to give you an answer today and meet you exactly where you are. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much.
Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are so much bigger than we are. Holy Spirit, lead us as we talk about this. And most of all, show us how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we are talking about why do bad things happen to good people. Uh, But where we have to actually start is with theology. Theology means a study of God. But before we get to theology, we got to admit there are some people who don't believe in God. And so what is the answer for the person who doesn't believe in God, otherwise known as an atheist? About uh, 3% of United States population identifies as atheist. About 7% uh, in the world identifies. So there's people. What, what do, do they answer? Stuff happens. And now understand you can't say why do bad things happen. You just simply have to say if you're atheist because there isn't bad or good. Everything's kind of organic that way. Why do things happen? And the answer is stuff happens. Now, if you've ever watched Forrest Gump, he has another way of saying it. We're not going to say it that way today. Stuff happens. There's no reason. There's no rhyme. There's nothing to it. There's, it has nothing to do with you or anything. It just happens. How many of you like that answer? Somebody, that answer stinks like the elephants, right? Well, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And he talks about, we, we start building this theological understanding to deal with this question. I, I recommend that book to you as long as you're okay with reading a 1950s style of writing by an English professor. All right, that's the only catch. It is interesting language. He wrote another book that is more personal uh, called A Grief Observed After His Wife Died. And it's a much more personal reflection rather than theological. But he says we we start with this. We, we, We start by saying, why do things happen? And we look up at the night sky. Have you ever done this? We look at, up at the stars and we look out at the ocean and say, there's got to be something more than me. Have you ever felt like that? Do you ever feel like that? You look at the stars, you look at the ocean, maybe you look at the forest and that bunny you want to shoot. Whatever it is, you go, there is something more than me. The word for this is numinous. Everybody say that. Isn't it fun? It's a fun day when I get to say numinous. Newness, just there is something out there. It's not defined. It has nothing to do with the, the, the thing that is happening to me. But at the very least, I can say when that thing happens to me, there's something greater than me. So that gets a little bit better, but the, it, it's still not good enough, right? That, that doesn't do it for me. So then what, what, what C.S. Lewis says when we talk about theology is then we say, there is a moral experience. Now we're saying, why do bad things? See, you have to have some type of morality. So if you think there is good and bad, wrong and right, if you think there are defined things that are good and evil, you are not an atheist. Because you're already defining nature, the moral experience. And this is what the moral experience says. Stuff happens, 
bad stuff happens, but if I do enough good stuff, good stuff will happen to me. And if I do enough bad stuff, bad stuff will happen to me. And that doesn't work for me. Does that work for you? So then we combine the numinous with a moral experience, right? Where we say, God, whatever definition you have, has something to do with bad and good things, right? That is where we're actually talking about theology and where we're really talking about world religions at this point and where we're talking about what this problem really is. Why does God allow this bad thing to happen to me? And this is called the theodicy problem. Everybody say theodicy. You woke up this morning hoping you could say that word, didn't you? You just said, this would be great if I could just say this word. Theodicy is two words, theos or theo, God. Everybody say God. Dicey or dica is justice. Read the definition with me if you would. You don't have to, but you can. The attempt to defend God's omnipotence and goodness in the face of the problem of evil in the world. And so let's look at what world religions say about this this issue. Now, some of you I know are religion scholars, and you're going to say, Pastor, you are simplifying this. Well, Tom told me we had to get out of here uh, before Easter. So this is just a simple definition of each of these things. What their answer is, is why does God allow this bad thing to happen to me? And what we want to start with is Buddhism and Hinduism. And you might be surprised that I'm connecting those two together, but they are connected. And they both answer a little bit differently, but they answer this word, karma. Folks, I want you to understand, if you use the word karma, and what comes around goes around, that is not a Christian belief, that is a Buddhist and Hindu belief. We don't believe that. We don't believe that. And what what karma says, now get this, if you want karma, what karma is, on the Hindu side, is your living life and all the bad things that you do come back to haunt you and you might get, it might get worse and worse each life you live. You hear that? You get to live more than one life. Buddhism says you get to live more than one life and those bad things that happen to you peel away your dependence upon an evil world till you've lived enough life, karma, till you become one with God. Hinduism, you become your own God. Now, I don't know about you. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to me? The good answer for me is, oh, it's not over yet. You get to live life after life after life after life till you are perfected. Well, that stinks. Would you agree with me? No, I don't want that. So let's look at Islam. Have you heard of Islam before? Again, I am simplifying Islam's answer, but it is, it is really simple. It's this, submit. Submit. Allah is a God who is perfect and far off, and what He wants to do is beat the people into submission where they acknowledge Him. 
What I want you to picture is going to an ocean. Have you been to an ocean before? Raise your hand. Have you ever gone to the ocean on a hot day? And you get in the water and the waves are rough and they're beating on you and beating on you and beating on you. You're not supposed to do that to a mic. And you keep beating on it. And then the sun is beating down on you. And at the end of the day, what happens? You submit. You're totally exhausted and worn out. You go, the ocean won. That's Islam's answer. Those bad things that happen are just so you submit to the will of God. How many of you go, yeah, I'll take that. Not on your life. So then the last major religion besides Christianity is Judaism that I want to hit upon. I know there are a lot more. But I love Judaism's answer. And we can find this in the book of Job. And I've done this before to people and just ended here. And it's not a comfortable place to end, but because. All right. It was good. First time. Did I do all right? All right. No. Because. That's what Judaism ends up saying. Because God is God and we are not. God is too great to understand. So it happens. Well, I don't know about you, but that's, that's not enough. And, and that's what C.S. Lewis says. And that's why we have Christianity, and that's why we have Jesus. See, in the historical incarnation, we have an answer. That God, seeing what has happened to humanity, wraps himself in flesh and becomes a part of humanity and dies for humanity and raises again for humanity. In the historical incarnation, we see theologically there is an answer to this question. So let's, let, let's look at a C.S. Lewis quote before we enter into discussion about what Scripture says about this. So you can read it with me if you want, nor have I anything to offer my readers except my conviction that when pain is to be borne, a little courage helps more than much knowledge, a little human sympathy more than much courage, and the least tincture, I had to look that word up, I didn't know what it meant, infusion of the love of God more than all. And essentially what C.S. Lewis is saying, when we deal with this question of why bad things happen to people, we need to make sure that just because we're theologically correct, we're not jerks. And we're not hurtful. That we infuse what we tell people with a love of Jesus Christ. You got that? You can be right and say it the wrong way is what I'm saying. Alright, so let's look at scriptures. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, you know it, God what? Created the heavens and the... Alright. What are we saying? There is a numinous. <laughs> right? The Bible starts with that. There is a God. You are not God. There is a God. And so that means there is a God who is in control and a God who is organized. And so that means there is a reason why bad things happen. Genesis 2, 15 through 17 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, I, I don't want you to miss this. Make, make sure you really key into this. You may surely eat of every tree. Everybody say every. I want every tree of the garden. 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. I want you to see this. We've added the moral experience to the numinous. And he has said you can eat of any tree. You have a choice though. Don't eat from this one. You have a choice though. You can't eat. But you have another choice. You have a choice to eat the tree of life. You have the choice of not having bad things happen to you. You have the choice. It's your choice. I am not going to make it for you. What do they have? What do they have? The angels had a choice. The Bible says one third of the angels followed Lucifer and chose not to worship God. The Bible says that Adam and Eve chose to eat from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. They chose not to follow God's will affecting you. Whose fault is it that we have good and evil? Adam and Eve. Not God. Adam and Eve. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And this is the result. Romans 3, 9-12. through 12. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it's written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. You can't ask the question why. Why bad things happen to good people? Because there aren't good people. We are sinners, every one of us. Saved by grace. And well, by the Holy Spirit. Becoming perfected, but certainly not perfected. I met one person who said they were perfected. I didn't want to be around them anymore. (laughs) And so, is God like Allah, staying far away? No. Philippians 2, 5-11 through 11 says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count Him a quality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. So God wrapped Himself in flesh for you. He saw our predicament, and He didn't stay far off. He came right here to experience everything we've experienced. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross, I want you to see, he, he was spat upon. He was abused. He was beaten. He was torn apart. Every bad thing. This is not a God who can't understand the pain and suffering you went through. He came to experience that pain and suffering with us therefore god was highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord what we have a choice don't we is he only god when things are good Or is he God all the time? 
And finally, we see this all coming together, going back to the book of Job. And to give you context to the book of Job, Job lived about the same time as a guy named Abraham. And, and he was just this incredibly righteous guy. And Satan goes up to heaven and talks to God and says, you know what, if that guy Job didn't have all this good stuff, and you weren't protecting him, he would curse you. He would give up on you. He would, and God said, deal. Do what you want to him. I believe he will still choose me. This is what Job says in Job 1, 20 through 21. Then Job arose and tore his robe. I mean, he, had, he lost his kids. He lost money. He lost all kinds of stuff. In chapter 2, he gets ugly, oozy sores. With, with, with worms crawling in them. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I come from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. What's he saying? Good and bad happens. If I have nothing, if I have everything, Naked I come from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of God. This is what we see in this moment. Scripture radiating. God wants us to choose Him. Regardless of what we're facing. So let's do this logically. Let's just break this down. God chose to let His creation choose. Stay with me. Everybody say choose. God chose to let His creation choose resulting in us being bad. Do you have to look very far each day to find that this is a bad world? (laughs) Have you watched the news lately? You know, they don't start off with, hey, everybody in Columbus gave 90% of what they were earning so nobody had was homeless and nobody had... To be hungry. You know, have you seen that by a line lately? No! That's because logically we look around and go, this is a world that's, that's kind of bad. Logic says I have a choice every day, doesn't it? I have a choice whether to wake up in the morning, go to work, be nice or be me. I have a choice. It's not all predetermined. Logic says if you just look at a little baby... You know, my wife hates this illustration. Uh, Sorry, hon. But if you just look at a baby, you know we are born selfish and self-centered, not other-centered. How many of you have seen a baby before? Yeah, how many of you have had them? You know, when they're born, they want three things. Feed me, change me, hold me, I don't care how you feel, how much sleep you've had, or how tired you are of me. What are you going to do from the time that baby is born until it gets out of your house? Do you have to teach it to do bad things? All right, today we're going to teach you how to stick your finger in the plug. No, you don't have to teach the child that. That child will do it of its own volition. But you will be teaching... Don't do that. This is when you go to bed. Don't wake up till this time. You will teach that child 
how to be good. And then that's still not enough. At some point, they've got to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit has to take part in that process. Amen? Amen. See, we know we have a choice. And we know we're bad. I'm bad. Bad to the bone. I, I mean, I don't know why Tom said yes, quite honestly. But here I am. Jesus chose. This is real key. If you hear nothing else, Jesus chose to let bad things happen to him so we can choose him. Amen. See, logic says God, God must be good because I occasionally do good things. I mean, not compared to God, but occasionally I do. Let me give you an example, and I'm not lifting myself up. I'm just saying, if I would do this, imagine what God would do for me and you. I was out in California with a guy named Jack Hayford, and my son was around 10 or so at that point, and he was getting really upset, my son Jonathan, because he couldn't eat any food, and it was really affecting us, and and honestly, I had stopped praying for his healing because I felt like God was saying, this is, this is where he is right now. And, uh, and uh, essentially, I was told, you know, well, if you love your son, why, why wouldn't you keep praying for him? You know, God keeps praying for us. Jesus is interceding us and saying to the Father, hey, don't give up on him yet. And so Jack, at the end of that week, was anointing us with oil, and he was praying for me to be healed from my chronic head pains. You know, in that moment, what I said to God, I said, God, I will gladly keep this head pain the rest of my life if you let my son eat. And where I was anointed burned for 24 hours. Burned. And on Monday, the doctor said, it's time to let this kid eat some food. And he's eating 14 things now. Now, I, I'm not lifting myself up. Oh, don't you dare say, oh, he's such a good dad. I'm a lousy dad. I'm a lousy person, just like you, a sinner saved by grace, filled with the Holy Spirit. But if I would do that for my son, can you imagine how much Jesus must love you? He didn't have to come down here, folks. Sometimes we think that. We go, well, of course Jesus would want to come down here and be a human. What? <laughs> no. God wasn't saying, I, I, I want to do that. He said, I want to do that because I love you so much. Jesus chose to let bad things happen to him so we can choose him. Have you seen the movie Family Man? Anybody? Oh, if not, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. My wife and I watch it a couple times a year. And at the end of it, there's the, the catchphrase is, I choose us. I choose us. And you know, why do bad things, why does God allow bad things to happen? Because he wants us to choose him despite the bad things. Is he still God in the midst of our suffering? I choose God regardless of what happens. I'm not going to get through this whole thing. As I was praying about this, this sermon over the last couple of days and walking the wall, 
uh, today. The, the Lord said to stop here, and so I'm going to stop here. God allows us to experience bad things so we might choose to lament and or praise Him. That, that's what I love about the, the book of Job. We see that, don't we? We see that, that despite what's happening, he laments and praises. What is lamenting? God, I'm so angry! This isn't fair! Why did you do this to me? Why did you do this to the person I love? Why, God? And some of you have been holding that in. Because you were, you were brought up in religion that said, don't dare say anything like that to God. And what I'm telling you, God is all-powerful. He can handle your anger. He can handle all of it. And at the end of it, at the end of it, Mike, would you help me out? Please, come on up. At the end of it, because Mike's more like Jesus than I, you're going to be Jesus. (laughs) I am yelling... Why? Why? You know what Jesus is doing? Uh, no. What? What is? You know? What is Jesus doing? Hold your hands out to me, man. Jesus, I got a picture like this. Jesus is holding, and I'm going. But you let this happen, and this happened, and I hate it, and I'm following you. And Jesus is just holding his arms, and I, I'm yelling at him, and yelling at him. <laughs> job being Jesus, Mike. It took you a little while. Yeah, it did. It took you. He wants you to yell, scream, shout, this morning, come up to the river. It's what we call this place, the river of God's grace, flowing out. Come up to the river and just give it to Him. See, some of you have been holding it in. You won't give it to Him. You're so mad and so angry and so broken. And He's just saying, fine, be mad at me, but give it to me. I want to take it. That's why I got nailed to the cross. That's why I was raised again from the dead. And see, what you're going to find as He takes it away, what you're going to do, start doing is praising and what, what the Lord just, told, just has been telling me is, Rob, you need to give permission this morning for people to give their, their anger and disappointment and frustration over to me and, and just give it and then praise me. Just praise me where they are or up front, wherever it is. Some of you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. For this exact reason. Some of you have been fighting in your relationship with Jesus for this exact reason. And what I want to tell you, if this is your thinking, I'm not going to be a, believe in God because I'm mad at God. Is that logical? You're already acknowledging there is a God. Amen. You don't need to be mad at him anymore. He is so sorry that you've gone through all that you've gone through. He is brokenhearted that you've gone through. He died on the cross. Be mad at Adam and Eve. They blew it. (laughs) He has given us an opportunity to bring it back and choose him. 
If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or have pushed that relationship off, I want to ask our prayers to come up specifically to pray with people. If your relationship right now is hampered with Jesus and you're far away or you've never accepted, come on, come on up. As we sing this song, it is well. Let us lament. I know some of you have written books longer than the book of Lamentations. It's time to give it over to God. Whatever he's calling you today, I just call you to respond as the Spirit moves you. Prayer team, come on up.